Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Holy Gospel this morning is from St. Mark, the fifth chapter. It is found on page 1559 in your Pew Bible. Mark 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now a large crowd followed, and they pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you and against you, his disciples answered. And yet, you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman knowing that what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in, and he said to them, Why all this commotion and, and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, 
I say to you, get up. And immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words from my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for as we know, nothing good comes from anywhere else. This is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, and uh, our reading this morning, um, actually, excuse me, it is the fifth, I wrote that wrong. Our reading from Mark is what I will be proclaiming from. We often say that Jesus held three offices. He held the office of prophet, of priest, and of king. And in today's gospel, we're going to focus on his office as the prophet. Now, a prophet is one who speaks for God. In a way, Jesus has to be a prophet because we know that he is both fully God and fully man and that every word that comes out of his mouth is God's word. And if you ask this question, it's rhetorical, but who could speak for God better than God himself? And yet, even with that, there is more to it, more to being a prophet than just that. There's a popular notion of a prophet is that they, they foretell the future. And while it is true that some prophets foretold the future, it is really a very small part of the calling of a prophet. Prophets actually spent most of their time calling people's attention to things that they should know. Things that they should know but have chosen to ignore. When you read the prophets of the Old Testament, the common thread to their message is that God wants to protect his people from evil things of this world, and it is a really bad idea to reject God, even going so far as to tell him to leave me alone. And when you tell God to stop meddling in your affairs, well, that includes his meddlesome protection from evil, evil like those neighboring countries that would like to enslave you if they could, evil like plagues and evil like earthquakes and other natural disasters. And it goes further for those who insist 
on keeping God out of their lives until they die. God will even withhold that meddlesome sense of his eternal presence. And sadly, people often ignored the prophets and their message, and they suffered the consequences. Prophets' lives were often frustrating because they had God's words of salvation, and no one wanted to hear them. The Old Testament prophets, they also performed miracles. Some prophets, Elisha, healed leprosy. Think Naaman. That's in 2 Kings 5. Others even brought people back from the dead. Again, think Elisha. And some of the miracles seem sort of trivial, although they're pretty cool. Do you remember or have you come across Elisha and he's out with a man that's chopping wood and his axe falls in the water and the man in despair goes, oh no, I borrowed that. And Elisha throws a stick into the water where it fell and it floated up. It's in there. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Jesus very much followed in the footsteps of the Old Testament prophets. Like the Old Testament prophets, Jesus' miracles were a sign. They were a sign that his teachings are and were true. And every miracle that Jesus did was unique. Follow me. Sometimes he went to someone's house. And other times he healed from afar. And sometimes he simply spoke a word. And other times he incorporated means, such as making a mud pack from the dust in his own saliva and then applying it to the eyes of the blind. And many times, our Lord Jesus, he touched the untouchable. The miracles of a prophet were part of his teaching ministry, and even today, we can learn much from the miracles related to us in God's Word. The miracles in today's gospel are absolutely no exception. Let's pick them apart. The first miracle in today's gospel deals with a woman who was the victim of a real rock in a hard place. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, she's in a, in a situation that it's bad if she does what she wants to do, and it's bad if she doesn't do what she feels she needs to do. This woman had been dealing with a bleeding disorder for 12 years. And we know that there was a set of ceremonial regulations that dealt with people who had this disorder. And beginning at Leviticus 15.25, I won't read it for you, we learn that such people were ceremonially unclean. They were just as unclean in the public's eye as lepers. And this woman should keep her distance from people. She should certainly not be in any crowd of people, and yet, and yet, her hope, her only hope of healing 
from her uncleanness was in that crowd, walking in that crowd. And her condition was so desperate that she decided to violate the regulation. She hoped to infiltrate into that crowd just to touch Jesus. And then her plan was to escape without being noticed. She entered into that crowd of people that were around Jesus, and she was exposing every one of them to her uncleanness. She was risking a great deal, a great deal, as she quietly walked up, made her way through the crowd in order to just touch Jesus' garment. And this woman's plan, it seemed to work. She made her way to Jesus. She touched his garment. She felt the healing within and knew that she had, that bleeding had stopped. And she was about to make her great escape when Jesus stopped. And he turned around. And he said, who touched my garments? Given the size and nature of the crowd and the attitudes, as we know, of the disciples, they didn't quite know what to make of such a question. They pointed out that people were jostling each other all over the place. But the woman knew who and what Jesus meant. As Jesus continued to wait, the woman had no choice but to confess. She had taken a miracle without telling Jesus about it. And it's possible she might have felt as though she had stolen the miracle. And this woman knew that she was unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus. Now picture this. How soothing it must have been for her to hear Jesus' voice as he said to her this, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Think of that, daughter. He claimed her. Go in peace. He didn't scold her, and, and he didn't punish her, and he didn't ridicule her. Instead, he had included her in his family and given her his peace. It's part of why we say, peace be with you. We're giving each other his peace. And now she's truly free of both her affliction and of her guilt. And only now, at this moment, was her healing complete. Now, like that woman, we all have secrets. We all have done shameful things. And we have thought shameful thoughts. And we all struggle with things that we hope will remain private forever. Mistaken judgments. Bad lifestyle choices, medical and psychological addictions, evil thoughts, evil desires, and so on. 
We all hope that some things will never see the light of day. There are things that we are afraid to admit, even in our prayers. We may think that we can keep our secrets hidden, even from God. We may think it's in our best interest to bury our secrets forever. The only problem is that that can't happen. With God, there are no secrets. He knows. He knows everything. He knows the things that we hide, even from ourselves. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't use his knowledge against us. He loves us, and he wants to cure us of our guilt. He wants to heal our spirits. He wants to give us his peace. Now, that is the reason that he was on this earth in the first place. He did not come to condemn, but he came to heal. He came to save us from our secrets and not-so-secret sins. He exposed himself to our unclean thoughts and feelings and desires. And what did he do? He exchanged them, not just for cleanliness, but for his holiness. And he took our sins to the cross, and he died for all of them, even for those that are secret, even those that are buried deep and that are forgotten. And he already knows our secrets, and he has already paid for them, every one of them. And we can join that woman at his feet And we can tell him the whole truth. And then we too can hear his words, these healing words as he says this. My son, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That's why we can call him Abba. That's why we can pray to him, hey, Dad, Daddy, I need you. And he responds. We can be truly free of our guilt and certain in the knowledge of our salvation by what Jesus does, has done, and continue to do, does for us, do for us. Now, while Jesus was dealing with this woman, Someone was waiting. Someone was waiting to get going. Jairus, you remember him? The Bible records no words from Jairus during the exchange between Jesus and the woman, but I know that if I were there, I would be thinking, all right already. I mean, I do that at a red light that turns green and think, hey, what are you waiting for? An invitation? Go. We got places to go. My daughter is sick. I need you. I was here first. You know, this woman, Jesus, has been bleeding for 12 years. What harm can there be in another day or two? Don't, me, my daughter, let's go. 
my daughter's near death. Boy, they don't record that, and that was a little license I took, but it might be true. But what we hear instead happen is that just as they are about to get underway again, the messengers came from the house with the news that the daughter had died. And I'm sure that Jairus was beside himself with grief. And Jesus gave Jairus words of comfort. He said this, Do not fear, but believe. And with these words, Jesus assured Jairus that there was still hope. With these words, Jesus gave Jairus the strength to carry on. And Jesus accompanied Jairus to his house, and he began teaching him to see with new eyes. How? Well, as he entered Jairus' home, he said to the mourners, Why are you making a commotion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And where the world saw death, our Savior saw someone that he could awaken more easily than a parent can awaken a child. Now, that experience is probably a long time ago for you, but this morning, it's not all that easy to wake him up. But Jesus looks at this little girl that the world says is dead, and he goes, oh, I can wake her up. Watch. And so Jesus went in to the girl, and he took her by the hand. And with a few words, he not only brought her to life, but he brought her back to perfect health. This miracle, this miracle is a demonstration on a small scale of the great resurrection, the great resurrection that waits for all of us on the last day. And on that day, Jesus will cause all the dead to raise, arise from their graves. And those who believe in Jesus will rise to eternal life. And those who do not will rise to eternal judgment. There is one great difference between the resurrection that I just described of Jairus' daughter and the resurrection on the last day. You see, Jairus' daughter was restored to a state that was consistent to her age of 12 years. And from there, she continued to grow. And eventually, she died again. And on the last day, we will rise, all of us, not and never die again. And we know this because the one who grasped the hand of a dead daughter and restored her to life he is also risen from the dead. And on the last day, he will take our hand, your hand, my hand, and raise us as well. Not to return to life here, but to life without end. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this in 1 Corinthians 15, 53. He said, This perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. 
The last day is coming for all of us. And on that day, we will no longer be ashamed. All of our sins, even our secret sins, will be gone, forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we know, we have confidence, that Christ will call us forth and we shall be united with him, face to face with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.